Today's Ryan and Russ show is brought to you by Vision Homes. If you're looking to build a new home in North Central West Virginia, then visit AskVisionHomes.com. Vision Homes, building a new house you are proud to call home. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ryan and Russ show. And don't take our word for it. Take Coach Nealon's. Hi, this is Coach Don Nealon, and you're watching the Ryan and Russ show. Please subscribe. And we welcome you back to the Ryan and Russ show, your source for West Virginia sports. And we're getting right into it. We're talking West Virginia basketball, taking a quick break from football today. And no better guy to bring on to talk Mountaineer hoops than the guru himself, Ethan Bach, Mr. Bachman, Bach Bombs. Uh, welcome back to the Ryan and Russ show. How's it going, man? I know you were at the press conference earlier today. Yeah, thanks, Mac. I appreciate it. Yeah, got Josh Eilert, and then we got to talk to Kirk Kreisha, Jesse Edwards, uh, get to know those guys, see how they're doing. So it's going to be an interesting year. I know we got some weekend drama to talk about. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting month. Off season's not quite over yet. No, no, the drama never stops in this program. Uh, let, let's get right into the presser, though. You talked about it, Josh. Talked about it for I think twenty five, twenty six minutes. Got a little bit of Jesse Edwards, a little bit of Kirk Creesa. Um Reactions, thoughts coming away from that. Start with Josh. What'd you think of uh, some of the takeaways he had? Still, he still seems very confident in this group, despite some of the rumblings over the last week. Um, seems like he still really likes his team. Yeah, Josh didn't go too much into the Jose Perez situation. There's really not much for him else to say. Um, but I, I could tell there was confidence with uh, the group he's got left. Uh, he's got numbers to practice with. My concern is the depth. And uh, I think that's a lot of people's concerns. It's just how many times the staff has had to retool the roster. Uh, shout out Jay Koontz having to retool that roster two times over this offseason. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like Josh is still confident in what he's getting out of these players. And uh, it seems like they're improving every day. He definitely, definitely made it known that Kobe Johnson and then uh, Ofri Neva, uh, two, two guys that, that could be wild cards for this roster, they're improving every day. So uh, I think he's got a good group. I think he's got an interesting group. Their ceiling's high. Their floor is also low. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and as much as I really don't want to talk about Jose Perez because I, I like talking about the guys that are actually on the roster, Jose, obviously not with the team anymore, was dismissed over the weekend, didn't do what he was supposed to do. Like Ethan said, Josh wasn't going to comment on it. Comment on it. They're moving forward with the numbers that they got. Uh, talk about some of the guys that you think could fill that void. You talked about uh, depth concerns. A, he mentioned Kobe, Seth, and even Josiah had a good uh, scrimmage on Saturday in front of uh, the fantasy campers. Is that what you sense at the press conference as well, that the guys that have been in this program for a couple of years are kind of, or who they're going to look to uh, to really step up here? Yeah, uh, Josh and his staff especially are looking at guys, the returning guys, uh, to step up. Uh, Kobe, Seth, Josiah, Pat, um, and those guys need to. I mean, like I said, there's depth concerns at – almost every position at this point. Um, and then who knows with Raekwon Battles waiver. So those guys are going to have to step up big. Um, but it sounds – I hear promising things about Kobe's shot. 
Um, and then obviously Josiah and his offensive rebounding, that's been a new thing. So uh, I expect right now, my expectation would be you start Seth Wilson. There's many avenues they could go with, but I think they'll end up playing small, uh, bring Seth into the lineup and uh, just have him shoot, have Kerr create shots for him. Um, mm-hmm. Just have having our three point shooter out there. I know his defense isn't the greatest, but he can put, put the ball in the basket and that's what they need. So before the Jose stuff, the million dollar question was, when are we going to know about Raekwon battle? Do you have any intel on maybe when, maybe a timeline? Um, I'm hoping in two weeks, but anything new to add on to that other than we're uh, anxiously waiting? Yeah, I, I honestly expected it to be in September, but now we're in October. uh, (laughs) It's funny how that works. It wouldn't shock me at all. And if it ends up, being decided in November, like that first week when games start. So it's just NCAA has got their own pace to go however long they want to on this. It's up to them. Usually they only take a week or two, but I mean, for some of these are taking a while. I know they're still going back and forth with the staff, getting more information on Raekwon's situation. So uh, even though they submitted the waiver, the NCAA still needs WV to comply and, uh, add any additional information they need. So honestly, I have no idea when they're going to actually decide on this waiver. It seems like it's been forever, but uh, hopefully, hopefully they get it out of the way here soon. Yeah, you're you're asking the NCAA to do their job, and that would be a nice change of pace. <laughs> but uh, feels like we got another Gabe Osaboyan situation back in 2019, where we find out two to three games in. Hopefully, we know before then. Hopefully, he's eligible. Um, because all of a sudden there is a waiver or two that have gone through on the second time transfers. Let's talk about the guys that uh, transferred in here, Kerr and Jesse, that you talked about. Uh, initial takeaways from those guys, they've they've played in big games at Arizona Syracuse. Uh, another couple guys that have been in big games, like you said. What did you think of them at the presser so far today? Yeah, I was kind of surprised of how optimistic they were, even though mm-hmm. uh, despite after the losses – ever since June with hugs and then Trey Mitchell, Joe Toussaint, Mo James, and now Jose uh, just this program continuing to lose guys, even though they add guys from the portal, uh, it was cool to see them optimistic and uh, Kerr, Kerr said something interesting and I can tell these guys are ready to take that step up. Uh, Kerr, Kerr mentioned that when he first committed to West Virginia, he looked around and I mean, he had Raekwon, Trey, uh, Jesse, he had multiple options, uh, Joe too. And then now, now it's like, it's pretty much just Jesse and Raekwon. So, uh, he, he mentioned he's going to have to take a step up in his scoring. And, uh, I, th- I think he can be that guy that takes that Eric Stevenson step up and, uh, saying like Jesse, Jesse's going to put up, he's going to put up double digit or double, uh, double figure games anyway. So, yeah. I think they're both ready to take that step up. They know what they're getting into with the Big 12, so I'm, I'm not worried about those two. Uh, did Jesse talk about any, like, the transition from playing in a 2-3 zone for 40 minutes under a Hall of Famer and Jim Beheim comes over here, wants to expand his game? I think, honestly, he's going to be better not standing his big old behind right in front of the rim for 40 minutes and being able to guard ball screens in space um, it, while still protecting the rim. What uh, – did, did did he talk about the transition? Is he struggling with the transition, or has it been a good transition over from that 2-3 zone into this man-to-man Mountaineer defense? 
Yeah, he talked about uh, just finding that balance of not committing fouls and uh, still trying to get his blocks in. He averaged three blocks at Syracuse playing that 2-3 zone, uh, and he only averaged three fouls in 33 minutes, which is really impressive for a big man. Um, But I expect him to get more fouls playing man-to-man. It's – it's bound to happen, but he talked about not budging on pump fakes or anything like that. So I think he's going to be smart about when to foul and uh, when to get his blocks in. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an inter- interesting transition for him. He's got the, he's got the arm length, definitely to play man, the man and uh, be a real threat in the paint. And let, let's talk about the other rim protector too. I mean, you get a cook, a cook from uh Yukon and Georgetown. He averaged two blocks a game. Would you say rim protection now all of a sudden could be a potential strength of this basketball team? I mean, these are two of the better shot blockers in the country, definitely in the league. They got to transition over to the Big 12, and that's going to be a transition period. But still, from a raw talent standpoint, would you say uh, rim protection on the interior is one of the strengths of this team headed into this season? Yeah, if if we're if there's any strength on the defensive end, it's it's the rim protection from A. Cook and Jesse. That's yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. This two average about five blocks a game at different schools, but uh, when you look at last year's team, the le- team leader in blocks was James with like twenty one. So uh, it's going to be definitely they're definitely going to have a threat in the paint, and they'll have two um, mostly on the floor together. So yeah, if there's if there's any if there's any positive on the defensive end, I'm worried about the perimeter defense, but I'm not worried at all about the interior defense. Yeah, well, uh, the the interior can sometimes erase the uh, perimeter defense, so hopefully that's the case. Uh, Ethan, to me, Kobe Johnson is kind of the silent hero right now in that program, a guy that can guard multiple positions. Obviously, you talked about him uh, improving his perimeter jump shot. He's played the one in the past, including his freshman year, came in and provided big minutes in some big games. For Josh, you've, you've seen two press conferences back-to-back weeks in eight days. Is there any other guys that kind of that just keep popping out of Josh's mouth in terms of who he's really high on, who's really popped the eye in, in, in seven practices so far? Yeah, Josiah Harris's name's popped up a bunch. Yes. Uh, Josh has mentioned Ofri. Uh, also mentioned Seth. But Josiah is the one I, that's consistently coming out of Josh's mouth. And uh, and uh, he's talked about his offensive rebounding. Josiah's in a threat on the offensive rebounding end in these scrimmages and in practice. And uh, yeah, Josiah, Josiah is a big piece. He's really their only true three man on the team. Like I just at his size and just his type of play. He's really only the true small forward. If there is one anymore uh, on that team. So Josiah's Josiah's freshman to sophomore jump is obviously the most important summer for him. Um, he's always in the gym. I don't think anybody's worried about him not being in that gym. Yeah. So uh, it's good. I, I mean, I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, he's definitely got the skills to be a player here. Uh, let's just see if he can get out of that freshman that freshman uh, lump. Yeah, I, I I think he's a prime candidate to make a big jump and contribute to this team, 15 to 20, even maybe even more minutes a game, um, and take take that next step. Uh, Josh talked about. Uh, Transfer from Florida State guard Jeremiah Bembry. Um, I think he had what four assists, zero turnovers in the secret, but not no so uh, secret scrimmage that they had on Saturday. It's amazing how all this stuff always gets out. Um, it's like it's like they got uh, hidden eyes in that building. But uh, 
what, what, what's your takeaway on Bembry so far? It seems like he's got all the tools defensively with his length and athleticism, but he, he's, a, he's a work in progress on the offensive end. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I think Jeremiah is definitely a work in progress overall. Uh, he's definitely one of those traditional developmental guys that you would have in four-year college basketball. Uh, I do like Jeremiah's length, 6'6 guard that can handle the ball. Working with Jordan McCabe, I, I don't know. Yes. I Give him two to three years, I don't know how he can't be good. Uh, obviously, you never know where kids are going to be in two to three years. So, but I think for right now, Jeremiah's defense is a strength with his ball handling. Um, but, yeah, his, his weakness has to be a shot. Uh, but I, I'm split, split that back up one minutes with Kobe, and uh, he should be able to develop fine. Yeah, I was about to say, Jeremiah and jo- JoJo, we're talking about making big strides. Don't make too big a stride because then you'll be tempted to go in the transfer portal like everybody else in America. Uh, speaking of transfer portal, don't forget Ethan Bach is over at the Portal Report, so go check out that great work. Um, Ethan, if you had outside of depth, you talked about depth, depth being one of the bigger concerns, what would be another area of concern headed into this season for you on October the 3rd? Rebounding easily. Josh is worried about rebounding. Um, if, if a coach says that they're worried about something in October, <laughs> I will take their word for it. And when you look at it outside of Jesse and outside of a cook, uh, you don't really have many rebounders on that team. Quinn Slezinski can get his rebounds in, and then even Big Pat can get his rebounds in. But af- after that, you have no guard that can really go in there and get a rebound like he did in previous year's teams. So I'm, I'm worried about the rebounding, especially to get in the foul trouble, uh, the big guys. So yeah, on October 3rd, rebounding is definitely the biggest thing. Uh, Jesse's going to get his 10 plus rebounds easily. A cook's going to get five, six, seven rebounds. Even Quinn will get five rebounds, but yeah, um, overall as a team, uh, rebounding is going to be a problem. Yeah, and it always is, especially I know Bob Huggins is still not there, but it's still the Bob Huggins culture at West Virginia. Rebounding and defense, always a staple. Uh, Ethan, we're under, what is it, five weeks now? November the 6th, we tip it off against Missouri State. Anything special on the calendar? I know George Mason's on the calendar at the end of the year with the exhibition. They got a uh, closed-door scrimmage that I'm sure somehow the box score will get leaked out, just like every other closed-door scrimmage to Jeff Goodman or John Rothstein. Uh, anything else on the calendar uh, leading up to uh, the Missouri State opener? Yeah, so Friday, this Friday begins pretty much the whole preseason showcase of of uh, getting West Virginia out there and seeing how they do. Yeah, uh, Friday at the Coliseum, you got the Mountaineer Madness event, which includes slam dunk contest, three point contest, little scrimmage. Um, you're not going to get to know the team much more like how they actually play at this event, but it's a good event to get to know the new guys, get to know the new staff, um, see how they are as people. Um, so it's, it'll be a good event for that. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously they'll have a, cl- they'll have a close scrimmage against the team like they do every year. Uh, and then the exhibition against George Mason, and they're right into the year. Right into the year, then they go down to Florida uh, to take on SMU or, and then play the winner of Virginia 
or uh, who's it? Wisconsin, I believe. Wisconsin. And ne- next thing you know, you got you got a St. John's and Pitt game. So everybody, go over there and get your tickets now. Season tickets are out there still. Uh, Big Twelve, the whole schedule's out as well. And of course, the Ohio State game. Last time we played them in Cleveland, that was a pretty uh, nice evening. And a guy named Deuce McBride came onto the national scene and never looked back. Uh, Ethan, real quick, uh, obviously everybody knows you uh, from West Virginia basketball coverage, but you still do cover football a little bit over with uh, Mike Asty over at West Virginia Sports Now. Get a couple thoughts, man. Four and one to start the year, headed into the bye. I think the bye week is coming at the perfect time with all these injuries. What's your yep. takeaway so far from Neil and that staff through five games? Yeah, I don't think anybody expected them to be four and one with this yep. first five game stretch. We talked about it in the preseason. I think I, I think I said two and three would be actually like a win. So I, I don't know if, if you told me four and one, I don't know what I would have said back then. But uh, yeah, I mean, they haven't played the best of teams on it. Like Pitt and Texas Tech, we've talked about it. Their offenses aren't that good. But TCU's definitely their biggest win of the year. Uh, I think that team's still bowl caliber, eight win caliber team. So to get that win on the road, have Neil still undefeated in Fort Worth, uh, it's impressive, honestly. The defense has carried them. And you can tell they're they're limping through this stretch. So bye week's perfect. And you go on that Thursday night game against Dana with, at, at Houston. It's a um, big one, man. It, it's a winnable game. Like yeah. Houston's pretty bad, but it, it could be one of those trap games. And I think that's it's what a lot of people are worried about. It's for anybody out there that just thinks we're going to walk in there and blow them out, man. That's it's not happening. Dana's going to have every trick play up his sleeve. That's going to be his Super Bowl to beat us. And we're riding in high there, four and one. It's going to be a hard game. I, I think we can get it done. I think we can control the line of scrimmage. But like you said, Ethan, that's not going to be an easy game. Don't look at the record, throw out the record book in this game. Uh, revised season, uh, prediction now that they're four and one with seven to go and what did they got they got three home games four road games yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy that the half the home slate was done by saturday september 23rd i don't think i've ever seen that before yeah three three home games in a row uh man if i had a because now now my expectations are high <laughs> you're gonna so, say 10 and 2 aren't you <laughs> no no the, the big 12 is pretty bad in football like yeah. They're really bad in football, but I, I've i got to go eight, nine wins before the bowl game. I mean, yeah. the only games I really see them deserving to lose are at UCF uh, in, and then at OU. That's about it. And then they'll lose, they'll lose a game or two that they shouldn't lose. That's, that's guaranteed to happen. But I can't see them finishing with more than four losses going into a bowl game which is crazy to say. I, I, know. I can't believe we're already saying this, but that's uh, just a credit to Neil and his staff. I, we, we, we say the Big 12 is bad, and it is, but that, that doesn't give them the excuse. They've, they've earned the 4-1 start. Yep, 100%. And, Ethan, let me ask you this, too. Back to basketball, since we're talking basketball originally. I sense, me personally, in my opinion, the same silent confidence from Josh and his staff in that locker room that I sense with Neil and his staff in that locker room headed into football. I think, especially with the recent news of Jose, I don't, I bet you we're like preseason 10 to 12, but just because of the uncertain of Josh from hugs, I think the national media has got their narrative on this team, just like they have with football. Do you sense kind of a silent confidence that could sneak up on a lot of teams in the big 12 play 
uh, the more and more this team comes together? Yeah, I mean, some of the national guys have already put out their Big 12 preseason rankings, and I've seen 11, I've seen 12 for West Virginia. Yeah. And that's only behind BYU, UCF, and then maybe Cincinnati, depending on where they have Cincinnati yet. Um, but, I mean, on paper, this team's not finishing 12th in the Big 12. I can't see it. I still look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, and I'm not too impressed with those teams. It's, it's, they haven't changed much from the year before, two years ago. Uh, Porter Moser, Mike Boynton are great coaches, but they still have this pretty much the same roster uh, built. So, um, but then I see teams like Texas Tech, Iowa State, where I think they can take a big, like a, almost a K, K State jump. Yeah, uh, I think those teams are pretty underrated. And then, but then you look at even the new teams. Like obviously, Houston's going to be at the top of the conference, but BYU and Cincinnati aren't going to be the easiest of wins now. Um, I think those are still winnable games, but there's really only one team that everybody should beat up on, and that's Central Florida. Like everybody should be beating up on UCF, and it's the first time in a while in the Big Twelve you can say that there's a team everybody can just beat up on consistently. Yeah, and they'll probably still be in the top 100 in the net, which is ironic. Yeah, so, yeah. but but yeah, yeah, no, those teams, BYU, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, that's going to be growing pains. And I'll go right on record right now because I think they, I'm with you. I think they're going to be preseason 11 or 12. I'll guarantee you right now they're not finishing 11 or 12. This will be a top half of the te- top half of the league team, uh, just like football is that never finished in 14th. So I'll get that right on record on October the third. I know we still got over a month, so but I just want to put that out there. I, I love my hot takes here on the Ryan and Rush show. Uh, but, of course, we always love having you stop by, Ethan. Uh, Rush returns tomorrow, travel day for Rambling Rush. Uh, Ethan, what else you got going on before I let you go? Yeah, so hopefully we don't have any more off-season <laughs> yeah. drama. I, every time we say that, something happens on a Friday or Saturday night. But um, <laughs> if there is, you can you can find me at EthanBuck underscore on Twitter. And then on the portal report, we've launched our uh, 2.0 scout for coaches. Uh, we're trying to find a way to get media and fans involved with this too. So uh, stay tuned at the portal report as well. Yep. And everybody watch on youtube.com slash the Ryan and Rush show sees go follow Ethan Bach at the portal report in West Virginia sports. Now, hopefully you don't have any Saturday uh, articles to write Hopefully we can keep it business hours Monday through Friday for a change. Uh, but, yeah, everybody, Rush is back tomorrow. We'll dive into around the Big 12, talk a little bit of storylines headed into this bye week. Then we'll do a sneak peek uh, on the Houston Cougars on Thursday. Maybe some uh, go back in time, talk about the Dana Holgerson era versus the Neil Brown era. So teasing, teasing those episodes out a little bit. Uh, we'll be live Wednesday and Thursday the rest of this week, 5 o'clock Eastern. And then, of course, we'll dive right into these Houston Cougars next week. Love you guys, and let's go Mountaineers.